to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. This morning we're going to read the whole chapter, chapter 1 of James, just again, kind of to get us, it's been a couple weeks since I've taught. I just kind of want to remind us kind of where we are at within this. We had Don taught the last couple weeks. And so I just kind of want to catch us up to where we're at within this. And then uh, we will start into today's message as well. So it starts off James chapter 1. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his, in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers to the grass, its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be, de- be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. <clears throat> so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is... Religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so, as you can see, kind of today's message is going to be on that. It's going to be on what is kind of for us what is perfect religion. What are some of the requirements that are going to be, that are required from us from the word that we have just read this morning? And as you remember last time that I had spoken, 
we talked in 15 and 17, and we talked specifically that, that sin brings about death. You know, again, that as we rise up in our own ability and we rise up in our own sin, that, that, that just brings about death. There's nothing of God that's within that. But the life that follows light, you know, that the light of God, that there's, that that's what God has provided, that He is the one that produces life. That He is the one that produces all things. That every good and perfect gift is from above. So that means that whether I'm going through a trial, whether I'm going through a time of blessing, then I know that it's been filtered through God's hands and He has allowed it to come upon me. And again, as we've talked at the beginning of James, it said that, you know, consider it all joy when you go through trials. And again, this was a toughness. This is a toughness as Christians that we need to be able to, to have to be able to go through this thing called life. Again, life is not an easy thing. Life is hard. A lot of us have already experienced a lot of life hard things. And good news is there's still life hard things to go. You know, life doesn't look at us and say, hey, look, you know what? You've had a hard one. Just take it easy the rest of the way. You get to coast. You know, you get every green light. You don't have to pay a toll. You don't have to do any of that. Just don't worry about it. No, it's not how it works. I mean, we live in a sinful world, and, and the reactions and the things that we have to go through are also filtered through everybody else's free will. So when I go through somebody else's free will, that well, that has a, an effect on how I live my life as well. This isn't the Garden of Eden. There's sin all around us, and if we've experienced that, and we see that, and so as those things kind of filter into our life, <laughs> we have to remember again that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And some of those things are wonderful things. Having kids. You know, I mean, that's just a, it's a wonderful gift from above. There are also struggles within those perfect gifts. Kids are not always perfect. They cause sometimes a little chaos within your life. But that's fine. Again, it's part of the life that you're working through and you're running through. So as we move into verse 19 here, it says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and, dis- and, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So then therefore, he goes back to that we are the first fruits of his creation. So just the verse before that, we are the first fruits of his creation. So look, let us be swift to hear. Christian, let us be swift to hear and slow to speak. So many times we've heard before, it says, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth and you're supposed to use them accordingly. Well, that's so true in life that if you, if you think about it, you know, the fact that if you just listen to people and don't speak all the time, you can learn so much. You can just learn so much about them. You can learn about life. I mean, just to be able to sit there and sometimes just to kind of, just to take it in and not be so quick to kind of jump in and and cure their problem without even having heard everything that they're talking about. But can I tell you something else? It's a little bit deeper than that is what he's talking about. Proverbs 10.19 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 17.27 says, He who has knowledge spares his words, knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of calm spirit. So it's not just the fact that I, if I'm talking to Jeremy, I'm supposed to kind of listen and kind of take it in and not just kind of jumping back and forth and all. No, it's much more than that. It's the fact that showing self-restraint allows you to hold back your own flesh. It holds back your own flesh and not saying something and then act out in wrath. So as I hear something and I get, I start to rise up, you know, oh no, they didn't. And I sit and I'm getting ready just to, just to unload with them. 
You know, I'm about to, to give them some four words of encouragement within their life. No, I can't do that. I need to sit there and I need to, to be able to hold that back and I need to be able to encourage and I need to be able to sit there and go, you know what, right now is not an opportunity to speak. Right now is an opportunity to hear. Right now is an opportunity to, to be able to hear and then be able to not react and, and be able to control my own wrath. See, again, it says in Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words is sin, and sin is not lacking, but he who strains his lips is wise. So many times that we've all have had the opportunity to say something and then realize, ah, man, I, I wish I could take that back. And unfortunately in life, you can't take back verbal words. You might write something down and go, man, I'm going to hand this to that person. You know what? No, I'm not going to. I'm going to go and I'm going to throw that away. And nobody else knows about it but you. But once you verbalize it and it's out there, it's out there. You, you can't take it back at that moment. And you can go back and you can apologize. and Oh, I'm so sorry. And all that kind of stuff. But guess what? It's, it's in the memory brain, memory banks. It can't be taken away at that point. Going back to James 1, 13 through 14, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So I can't, I can't sit there and say, I can't blame anybody else at that moment. Why? Because I've allowed my own wrath to rise up. So I can't sit there and, you know, a lot of times we want to blame God again. But again, remember what I said a couple of weeks ago is, I am my worst enemy. It's me. I don't need you. I don't need the enemy. I, I got me. And I'm the one I have to worry about. I'm the one that I have to tame. I'm the one that I can't control and that I'm having a hard time in life making sure that I don't say that to that person. I don't rise up in anger at that person. That when I'm driving, I'm not, you know, I'm trying to be an encourager to those that are around me that are driving terribly. I went to the DR and, and they are just God awful drivers. They really are. I mean, there's just, it's terrible. I mean, it just, you come back here and you're like, man, these people are great, you know? But there's no road rage there. Everybody's like, hey, whatever, he just cut you off, you know? And you're like, what? You know, I mean, it would people here would have, I mean, I'm rising up and I'm just a passenger and I'm like, you, you believe that guy just did that to you? And the driver's like, eh, you know, I'll do it to the next guy. It's not a big deal. You know, they just, they were so even keeled on it, you know? And they are terrible. I'm telling you, it was awful. But see, they had a control over that to say, you know, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Why? Because wrath again, wrath is, is anger and it's vengeance. And so many times we sit there and we just allow it to fester up inside of us. And man, I can't wait to see that person. Why? Because I'm going to let them hear a piece of my mind. You know, how many times have we heard that too, that phrase? I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Really? So you're going to allow that wrath and that vengeance and that anger to rise up. Paul talking about putting on a new man in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I think of all the times that, that I sit there and I, and I want to rise up and go, You know what? The Lord has forgiven me for much worse. And so I get to play God in somebody else's life and go, no, I can't forgive you for that. Really? When God has done so much for me in my life and has forgiven me for so much worse than whatever that person just did to me, really, I'm going to rise up and not be willing to, to, to show some maturity and to put that inside and go, you know what? Man, I'm just going to kind of let that go this time. Why? Because a friend of mine 
once said, and I use this all the time, is because in the grand scheme of eternity, does it really matter? I mean, when you put eternity in all understanding, does whatever that just happened in the grand scheme of eternity, does it matter? I'm going to guess right now it doesn't. Because it just doesn't matter. Why? Because will you even remember it a year from now, a week from now? I mean, it just kind of goes away. And you're like, you know what? I raised a big stink over nothing. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What's that movie? It just doesn't matter. It just, I'm sorry. It's probably not a good movie that we need to be listening to anyway, so. Because it doesn't, doesn't sound good, so. So why do this? Well, verse 20, he tells us why to do this. It says, for, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I mean, how many times in your anger have you gotten done and you're like, wow, glory to God right there. You know, I just, I just let into that person, man. Praise the Lord, you know, woo! I mean, that's just, that's just obvious. I think it's so cool that James just says, and it just isn't, it doesn't produce it. What are you doing? Again, if we go back to what Paul was saying, he said, you know, just put it aside, be kind to one another. Because again, if we're trying to pr- create and, pr- and produce disciples, what does the anger have to do with producing and creating disciples? Did we see that within Jesus' life? Did we see him with, that, with the woman at the well? Did we see that when he was healing the blind? Did we see that? No, we don't see that with Jesus. We just see, see Jesus comforting and loving we see Jesus being willing to, to go on a cross for us. We see a tender side of Jesus. And I, and again, I think you look at James, who's, who's been with Jesus his whole life, and he just looks at him and goes, man, I, I didn't see that in my brother. I didn't see that kind of stuff producing any kind of, 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 of glory to him. No, our wrath produces flesh. And our, fresh, our flesh accomplishes our own goals. You look at Cain and Abel, and you see Cain rising up in his own flesh. Did that produce anything of, of righteousness? We see Joseph's brothers and, and how they just connived, and they, they made up a story, and they found a way, and, and, and they acted out on Joseph. Did that produce any kind of glory? No, it was their flesh. Now God used it, but, but it was their flesh. And you say, well, Kevin, I, I'm not that bad. I don't do those kinds of things, really. You know, Jesus said, if you think evil thoughts towards your brother, have you murdered him? Have you looked at that woman in lust? Have you not committed adultery? I mean, there's, there's lots of things that you have to deal with here. It's because it's, it's the heart issue within this, what we're talking about. So again, sometimes I may not even say what's on my mind. And I've, I've joked around before that, I'm very quick-witted, and and it used to be very bad that I was quick-witted, you know. And I, I've controlled the point where I don't say a lot of the things that come to my mind at this point. Okay, so yeah, glory to Kevin. And so I don't I don't say things that are inappropriate. Okay, so but you know I'll just laugh sometimes. And Christine's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, you don't really want to know, you know." Um, I don't want two of us to sin right now. Just one is bad enough, you know. I'm trying to keep you holy, and 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 all. And um, but my next goal really is to is to not think it. My my next goal really is to not is to not think of those things. Why? Because again, just because I I think and I don't say it doesn't make it right. Now it's funny, and the Lord and I laugh about it. Trust me. I mean, he's he's like, yeah, that's pretty good right there, you know. But but it's still not appropriate, Kevin. Don't do that, you know. I mean, my son didn't die on the cross for you to have a funny you know joke there. But um, but again, it's it's a point that you know we we want to justify our flesh and we want to justify what we want to do and what our needs are. We want to justify that. So we look at it and go, well, I'm not that bad. Well, you are. Let me just tell you this morning, you are that bad. 
You are that person that James is talking about right now. You are that person that is, that is rising up in your flesh. And you are that person that wants me first. Why? Because, again, we are the most important person in our lives. It's me, me, me. You know, all of us took a shower this morning, or most of us did. And, and, and all of us kind of cut our hair or combed our hair. And all of us kind of put on clothes to look nicer for church. I mean, we all we were focused on us this morning. And then we got here, and then we're focused on others at that point. But it's still about me. You know, it's a little hot in here this morning. It's a little cold in here this morning. It's about me. Why do they do that? Why do they turn the lights off sometimes? Why do they not turn the lights I mean, there's so many things that we're focused on, on just ourselves, that it's just like, well, no, it's about you. But hopefully we've been matured enough through the trials and that we realize that we've been saved by the grace of God and Jesus and that we willingly give back, that he willingly gave his life. But are we willing to die just like he did? Are we willing to look at ourselves this morning and go, you know what, I, I, I think that I have rights, but am I willing to, to bridle my tongue so that I might die on the cross with Christ? Again, the hard issue here is James, as we've gone through it, is he's telling us, hey, look, you gotta to toughen up and you're, you're gonna go through trials and, and, you know, again, there's, there's, there's these things that you're gonna go through and, but, you know, one of the more specific things, Christian, that you need to worry about here is that man, you really gotta, you gotta watch your mouth. You gotta watch your tongue. Why? Because, man, that tongue is, and we're gonna discuss the tongue very strongly here in, in chapter three and, and we'll, we'll have a lot of fun when we get there at some point, but, um, but are you, are you willing to do that? So many people these days are just unwilling to die just like Christ did. Verse 21 says, therefore, well, therefore again, what should we do here? And so I, I think James breaks it down into three little categories here. He says, first, lay aside all filthiness and, and overflow of wickedness and just get rid of it. Get rid of that filthiness and that wickedness that's within your life. Just, just get gone. Get rid of it. One commentator said it's the extreme excess of garbage of naughtiness. You know, obviously he's like in the 18th century because who talks like naughtiness? You know, but but one com- it's it's the, the extreme excess of garbage of naughtiness, just the garbage of naughtiness. Ephesians 4:22 says that 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 you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. First Peter 2, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So again, Peter's saying, look, just all, all this stuff, just get rid of it, so that you can have just a, a real desire for the pure milk of the word of God. Because again, if you've got all this dirty stuff on you and all, and, and then you see the, the pure milk of God, you just, you're just, you're just enamored in it. You're just, you're just, it's, you're just filthy along with it. And it's so hard to then live a life where, where I've got all this stuff that's on me. And so Christian, you know, what's influencing you this morning? What's, what's that, just that garbage of naughtiness that's upon you? Is it your friends? I mean, do you have friends that you're just around all the time and, and they're, Joking about stuff they shouldn't joke about, and you're kind of laughing with them, and and they're they're doing things that you you shouldn't be doing, and you kind of deal with it sometimes, but not other times. And are you around? Those are your friends. I mean, are those your tights? Those are the people that are influencing your life. Are there movies that you're watching? 
And, and not just every movie that's out there, but there's there's movies that you just just know you shouldn't be watching. You start watching, and you're like, oh gosh, here they go again with this. You know, there was a TV show that Christy and I just really wanted to watch, and then it just started, and we we're like, the heck are we watching this for? I mean, just just language, and it's just like, oh my gosh, just just don't watch anymore. I don't want it to. It's like, I can't get past it though. I mean, it's just, I feel dirty. You know, you're just like, oh gosh, you know what? Why am I doing this? We don't need to do this. Why? Because I don't need, I don't need that naughtiness within my life. Again, I'm already dealing with stuff. Okay. I've already submitted that. Is there alcohol that's within your life? Is there the naughtiness of alcohol where you just, you're just drinking too much and you're just, you're just hiding your sorrows within that or that's what you go to when you're having a hard time? Jokes. Let's not talk about jokes again. Um, is there pornography within your life? In church like this, I mean, all, all these things could be part of who you are. You could have all these on this list. And th- again, this list isn't just this list, okay? I mean, we can go on for the next 30 minutes and talk about the naughtiness of life. I mean, there are many opportunities for us. But what is yours? What is that, what is that influence? What is that garbage that's within your life that you're like, Kevin, I can't, I, I have to lay aside this. And that's what James is saying. Like, man, just lay it aside. Look at your life. Do a, do a real inspection on it and be humble before the Lord and say, God, I got to get rid of this. Why? Because again, it's, you know, he talks about in, in Hebrews of just trying to run a race and, and, and man, I, I, I can't run. Why? Because I got this stuff with on me. You know, I'm just, I can't, you know, so runners, they don't run with, they run with special shoes on. They don't go out there with, you know, pumps on and, and all that kind of, why? Because you can't run in high heels, right? I mean, that's just stupid. Well, I look good. Yeah, but you're not going to win anything. You got to shed that stuff off you and put on the right stuff that you need. Because that's the only way that you're going to be able to... I can't run with this stuff that's on me. The second one is to receive with meekness the implanted word. Meekness is, is mildness of disposition. It's, it's gentleness of spirit. It's, it's humility. you got to be human, have humility towards the Lord. Psalm 25.9 says, The humble he guides, God guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. So again, if I come before the Lord and I am just humble... And I'm just, I'm just on my knees and I'm like, I'm just crying out to the Lord, Lord, you just, you help me, please. Well, he sees that and he says, there's, there's, that's a heart that I can deal with. And I'm going to pour into that guy or that girl and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to work into them and I'm going to mold them and I'm going to shape them. Why? Because that's what I'm looking for. I can't come into God with a haughtiness and a, you know, some of these preachers, you know, you just tell him what his word says and, and he's got to give it to you. Excuse me? Is that really how you're going to come into the, and in front of the God of all creation, the pureness of God is, the, the light that God is, and I'm going to come in with a haughtiness before him and demand from the Lord that he does something for me? No, no. Zap you gone in a second. Why? Because he deserves so much better than that. I need to come before him and, and with a humble heart and a contrite heart in the Lord, I, I deserve nothing. But I'm asking and begging God, that you would just pour your spirit upon me and that you would help me with these things and that you would, that you would allow your word to just come inside of me and that you would just, you would just grow me and that you would just fill me with your spirit. Why? Because I want to be used by you. It is difficult in anger and in your flesh to receive the word. Again, remember Cain, going back to Cain and Abel, Cain was warned by the Lord. He, he tell, don't watch it. What'd Cain do? He just 
I don't, I don't care, God. I'm going to go do what I want to do anyways. I'm going to go kill my brother. Why? Because he's making me feel bad. He goes up and rises up and kills his brother. Christian, this morning, is your heart ready to receive the word of God? Is your heart ready and open and, and a flesh that is ready to be poured into by the Lord? Because if not, that means that you love those things so much more than God. Uh, those things that I need to get rid of, if I'm not willing to get rid of those things, that means that I love those things more than I love God. And that's a difficult spot to be in. I'm not saying that all of us in this room are perfect and all of us in this room are like, oh no, I have none of that stuff, man. I'm just, it's just me and the Lord. No. This word's for everybody here this morning. So if you're super convicted, well, good, be super convicted, but I think we're all convicted. I think we all have things that if we looked into our life and, and we were able to look at this and say, man, there, there, there's some garbage in my life that I need to get rid of and I, I need to get humble before the Lord and I need to, I need to be like James and I need to have those camel knees and I need to be on my knees and praying to God and just asking Him just to come into my life and to do this work within me. Well, why? Because the result is it's, it's able to save souls. Save implies it's, it's not merely the salvation of the soul but it's the restoration of life that you're able to, that there's power within this word to be able to, to kind of come in upon us. And, and yes, it's, it's there, there's three aspects. There's, there's salvation and then there's sanctification in your life. And then there's glorification. You go home to heaven. Okay. So there's salvation. And hopefully everybody in this room this morning is, is saved and you've received, you've had that salvation moment. Well, then the rest of our life here, that dash is, is the sanctification now part where we're just kind of going through life and God's kind of, ah, don't do that. Or, Hey, I'm going to convict you of this. Ooh, I didn't know I did that. And he's just kind of perfecting you and he's kind of working in you in your life and he, he's kind of getting you to that point. Well, that's what the, the save here is that the, the word does this is that it implies not merely the salvation of the soul, but the restoration of your life. He's able to kind of fix those things from the past and he's kind of able to move, move you forward so that you can then walk a, a life that hopefully is better than when you first got saved. Hopefully all of you guys are walking a stronger life, a stronger walk than you were when you first got saved. I mean, Hopefully. And again, that goes back to the beginning when we talked that there's a maturity that all of us shouldn't be still be drinking milk. Why? Because we've been saved for a while. So at some point, you've got to cut into some steak. And steak is so much better than milk. And we've got to have desserts every once in a while, you know. But we got to have mashed potatoes. And I had macaroni and cheese last night. And I was like, hallelujah. You know, we don't get mac and cheese much at the house. So I had two helpings of that, you know. And I was just, I was there like, you want more dessert? And I'm like, no, man, I'm going to have some more mac and cheese, you know. I mean, I just love some mac and cheese. Why? But that's so much better than when I was a baby and I had milk. Milk, you know. And your kids are enjoying better food now. Why? Because I just have milk. And then some pureed green beans, you know, and carrots, puree, pureed. Let's just make our own puree. Let's just, you know, what? If you guys went home today for lunch and you're like, you're, hey, what are we going to have? We're going to have some pureed green beans and carrots. You're like, what? No, man, no, I'm, I'm not one anymore. I need to have some food, you know? The same thing within your life. There needs to be a growth within us so that we're, we're ready to receive this implanted word of God within us. Turn over quickly to Hebrews, the first one that you were supposed to have. Hebrews chapter 4, and these are going to be back-to-back that you're going to go to here, okay? And the reason I had you turn to these, I actually want it's going to have you go somewhere else too, but I, I know you guys would have been like going crazy like another one. But I want to make sure that if you guys have not highlighted or if you have not underlined these, you need to underline these in your Bible, okay? I've given you permission. If you have not underlined or you do not write in your Bible, you're allowed to write in your Bible. Hebrews 4.12, okay? This is not underlined in your Bible. It should be. 
If you're on your phone, it should be highlighted, okay, whatever you, whatever choice of whatever you're doing these days. <clears throat> Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So again, as we look upon this, and we have the, the, the Word of God is able to save souls, and it's, again, it's not just a saving of it, that the Word of God is able to come in, and it's able to just pierce whatever problem that you're having. You're having a difficulty, and you're in Psalms and your Proverbs, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, where did that Word come from? That's it coming into your life. And he's, he's able to just take that, and he's able to just discern wherever you're at at that moment, and he's able to pow, he's able to take care of that problem. You're like, wow, where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. And it came from His Word to be able to say, look, there's so much more that I want to show you. For the Lord, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged. It's living and powerful. And so many times we look at this Bible and we just look at the Word of God and we just kind of, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a book. Well, no, it's not. It's living and powerful. This thing is about the strongest thing that you guys have within your house and you don't even know it. This is it. It's it's powerful. Why? Because it's able to change lives. It's able to change your life. Not only is there salvation, but day to day I get to come to this word and I get to just soak into it and I get to have him just pour into me and I'm able to have that come into my life. Why? Because I come to him humbly and I come to him just begging and asking and the word of God just comes upon me and it just pours over me and refreshes me. The next one is Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. 16. Romans 1, 16. Again, if this is not underlined in your Bible, it should be underlined in your Bible. These are verses that you have probably heard throughout your life. <laughs> 1, 16. And this is Paul speaking, and you got to like be powerful when you do this. For I am not ashamed, Paul speaking, okay? And every one of you Christians this morning should be you, okay? Every one of you Christians this morning should be able to look at this verse and go, Man, if this is not me, man, 2019, I want this to be me, okay? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. So if you want to come upon me and you want to just, you want to give me a hard time for my belief in Christ, if you want to just stone me, if you want to do whatever you want to do, do you want to make fun of me? I don't care. Why? Because I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God of salvation for everyone who believes. And that's my prayer is, is really is for this 2019 is either whether my family or for this church is, is that right there is that it's the power for salvation. I want this church to have an understanding that, that salvation is so important. Okay. If people die today, they do not know Jesus and they have not recognized him as their savior. They are going to hell. Do you understand that? I mean, it, it's, and that's eternity in hell. I mean, so the the the, power, the point of salvation is not just that, that oh that you you know you oh you get to be in heaven and, no the, you understand there, there's a there's two wars that are going on here and and one we we want them to go to heaven and we want to spend eternity with God but on the other side of it man if not they're going to go to hell and we have the keys. We have the understanding. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit to be able to go out into this community and make a change. It starts with us. Why? Because we have the knowledge to do it. 
But instead, we're going to sit back, we're going to hold back and go, oh, man, I'm not so sure. I'm kind of, no. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't want to make somebody uneasy. Well, no. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, they're going to make fun of me at school. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. They're going to make fun of me at work. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because there's so much power. There's so much ability. And again, it's not just the fact that he's going to, bam, come upon them and give them forgiveness of their sins and they're going to be able to spend an eternity in heaven that he's going to then work intimately within their life every single day to continue to make them better Christians and better people. I mean, that's such great news, is it not? I mean, as we come into the Christmas season, you can turn back to James. We turn back, come, come into the Christmas season. It's so easy. Why? Because everybody is talking about Jesus. Why? It's his birthday or it's not his birthday or whatever debate that you want to have. You know, that's not really his birthday. Okay, but we're celebrating it on that day. And it's because of him that we have a renewness of life because of the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 22 through 25 says, But be doers, James is moving on, says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a like he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, and before he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So automatically you see there's a couple words that are mentioned a couple times. One is a doer, okay? One who obeys or fulfills the law. Not just a do, by the way. He's a doer, okay? So there's an action to it. So you're systematically and continually as you're on your regular basis. So every single day, you're just kind of, you're automatically doing it. Why? Because this is what I do. I'm a doer of the word. I'm a doer of what Christ has called me to do. I'm a doer of good works. I'm a doer. Why? Because that's just, that's who I am. It just automatically rises up in me. And I'm not just a hearing. I'm not just hearing what it says. I'm not just thinking about only hearing or, or the changes that happen. I'm a doer. So there has to be application to with our lives. There has to be an application to what's going on. One who obeys. First John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in, wor- in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So again, not just, not just the fact that I'm going to come across and I'm going to you know, say, Hey, you know, Steve, I love you, man. It's, it's good to see you today. But man, I'm going to come over. I'm just going to, I'm going to give him a hug. I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge who he is. If Steve's going through a hard time, man, hey man, bless you, man. I, I pray the Lord helps you out. No, it's not just that. I'm a doer. I'm like, hey, Steve, what's going on? Is something wrong with your van? Well, then let me go. Let's go find out what's gone. We've got to do to help you. I get it there. I know a mechanic that can help you. I know so we can get some something done here to make sure that you're taken care of. Why? Because I'm a doer of good deeds. Again, Christianity is it's a verb, and there has to be action with him what our lives are. Example here is PD is he's gone. Okay, it's four or five weeks. So he starts sending us letters each week. And he's like, Oh, Kevin and Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship Church, miss you so much and, and I want you guys to to, to sit there and, and, and these are some things that I want you to do. You know, when Christmas is over, kinda of get the lights down and make sure you clean up the place a little bit and, and kinda of do this and kinda of do that. And he gives us all these things that he wants us to do. And so he gets the letters in and, and, and we read them and all and then he comes back and you know, it's halfway through January or something and, and all the lights are still up and the Christmas tree's still up, you know, and and, and Guys, did you get my letters? Oh man, dude, we, we got your letters. Uh, Don, it, it was incredible, man. We actually got your letters and we actually studied your letters here. You know, we broke your letters down into the Greek and we, I mean, we did word studies on your letter. It was amazing. This, the information that you wrote in those letters was awesome. 
I was, it's just, it was a blessing. It really was a blessing. But why is everything up? Oh, well, we didn't do it. We just studied it, you know? And so the same thing then, as you guys can kind of pick up real quickly, so many times we sit there and we just, we take his word and we break it down, man. We can break this thing down like, you know, no tomorrow. And hello. So, wow. So, opa. So we said so we, um, <laughs> So we, so we break it down like, like you've never seen. And we sit there and we, we know every single what the, what the root of that one is and what we're supposed to do and what's a cross reference. But then when it comes to actually doing something, we leave here and we don't do anything with it. And we, but, but we've studied it. Man, we, we know our word. And he's saying, well, well, what is that? You need to be a doer of the word. Okay. Don't deceive yourself and don't, don't delude yourself and don't circumvent. It, it's to reason falsely. Okay, so reason falsely. You cannot sit back and just listen to this. We have to do something for Christ. I mean, again, as we read this word, it should just automatically draw up into you the fact that I want to do something for Jesus Christ. I just can't sit here and just read these awesome stories of other people doing stuff for Jesus. It's the fact that I want to do something. It just, the, the impulse is so great and so on me that, man, I just, living whatever life I did before just won't do. Why? Because I want to be so much more for Jesus. Why? Because again, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because there's power in it. And I want to do something for Christ. I want to be that person that's different than everybody else. See, because hearers are, are just, they're just, they're just listening. They don't, they don't actually do anything. And, and, and so the, the poor need help or the helpless or there's the storms that go through. And, and so many times again, like on Don, like Don does, I, I read kind of the comments underneath those things that you'll see on CNN and, and all those other websites. And, and, and they'll just sit there and go, oh, another opportunity for Christians just to pray for somebody and not do anything. And, 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 and it kind of strikes you, it hurts you a little bit, but kind of what they say is true, is it not? Now don't get me wrong. I, I, I am, I cannot be everywhere. Okay, and I, obviously, and, and, but, and, and the Lord can, and the Lord knows what those needs are. And I think that we, 100%, you need to be praying for somebody. You need to be praying for events. Why? Because that's, that's, that's where the battle is. Is it not? It's not been flesh and blood. It's in spirit, right? So we need to be praying for those people. But if you're able to, and it's near you, should you not be the hands and feet of who Jesus Christ is? And is it not important for us to, to not see somebody down the street and them having a problem and going, hey, brother, praying for you as you drive by in your car? Or is it a point that you've got to get out of your house, walk down the street and knock on the door and go, hey, man, I, I saw that you were having problems. Can I help you out? And see, that's the, see the difference between there? Again, I'm not putting down prayer because, again, I do not misunderstand me. Okay, I, I completely believe the importance and the power in prayer. But I completely understand the fact that we need to be doers of the word. You can't just sit back and just and just listen and, and understand and, and break down this word and then have nothing happen within your life. We sit there and we just we just do nothing. Why? Because I just didn't feel called to that day. You know, I didn't feel the Lord's prompting and, and I didn't feel like the Lord was leading me to do something. No, 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 no. The Lord was leading you to do something. But because of my own personal laziness or my own personal uncomfortableness, because of my own flesh, I chose not to go do that. Why? Because it's me. It had nothing to do with anything else or anybody else. It was me. I was lazy. That's why I didn't do it. But that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to be so much more than that. So James gives an example here in 23 and 24. He says, for, for, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
So again, mirrors in the first century were not like out of glass like we have now where they're like perfect and you can, some of us, we want to see ourselves. Other of us, you're like, I don't really need to see myself again this morning. But so we have these mirrors that are just perfect, that we can see everything. Well, back then they didn't have that. They had metal that they really had to polish to really, 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 really good so they could actually see themselves. Okay, so some days you'd walk out and you knew that dude didn't have a mirror or metal because his hair was like this, you know, and and maybe things were like this and he just didn't have anything. Okay, so he didn't have a mirror. So not everybody had one again as we do today. So again, that's the first century. So when he's saying this, we understand that what a mirror, it makes, it just takes, you just get to see what's on the external side of you. You don't get to see really what's inside of you. That's an x-ray or an MRI or something like that. But the mirror is only things that you can see externally. And so as we look upon the mirror, we make some external changes on ourselves and then we go on with our day, correct? That's what happens. So that's what he's saying here is in, but what happens then with the word of God is it's the same thing with a message. Is we'll sit there and we'll, we'll take a couple notes today. You guys will write some stuff down and then you'll walk out the door, but then there's no internal changes within your life. There's nothing that happens inside of it. There's, there's just, oh, I took some notes. Oh, he was kind of funny with that one thing and he made fun of himself. That was pretty cool too, but man, all right, we're off. You know, let's, what do we also got to do today? So the mirror is only good for external changes, but hopefully you guys understand that the gospel confronts those things. The gospel intentionally comes in your life and says, no, you must change. You can't be that person anymore. You have to go back and realize that I need to get rid of this, this, um, the, if I can find it in my notes real quick, the, the excess garbage of naughtiness within my life. The gospel comes upon you and approaches you and says, no, you must make a change unless you're just hard hearted. And you're hard-hearted, and you guys walk out of here, and nothing changes within your life. But see, no, you, you, you a doer won't allow that to happen. Uh, see, people hear a message, and they leave, and they don't remember a word that I said. And sometimes it's even within your own family. And so you'll you'll sit there and just joking. I had to because we were in the scripture. Sorry. So um, so you'll you'll leave, and you won't remember. But I heard Tony Evans talk one time. He said that you know he was talking kind of about this, not in the same area of scripture. So I'm not sealing his message, but. Um, I'd have to be a lot more dynamic than I am. But anyway, so Tony Evans talked about it, and he said, like, 95% of the people will come back next week and not remember his message. And I was like, man, I have no hope. Okay, if you can't remember Tony Evans' message, the next week, are you serious? Tony, I remember messages, you know? The one time I saw him speak, I remember his message because it was incredible. I'm like, are you serious? How do you walk away from Tony Evans and not remember his message? That is just... You know, you're just dull and numb at that point, okay? There's just no hope for the rest of us. But see, that's what, that's not what it's been called. The gospel comes into your life and it just attacks you and says, look, there must be change within your life. I'm calling you to say that the fact that you must make this difference within your life today. This naughtiness within your life, it has to go. Christian, this morning, I'm calling you and telling you right now, you must make a change within your life. You have to take a full address of those series of situations in your life, and you have to make a change. Why? Because, again, we can't be Christians, and I can't come before the Lord with a humble heart and say that I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to do those things. Why? Because I'm more focused and I have more love towards those than I do for my own Lord. See, again, a Christian is a true disciple learns in order that he may do. Okay, let me repeat this. A true disciple learns in order that he may do not in order that he may merely know or teach. 
Okay, a, a true disciple, which I hopefully that we are, we're going to come in here and we're going to study the Word of God and we're going to learn this. Why? Not so that I have more head knowledge. Again, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is what? Knowledge is head knowledge. Okay, it's just up here. It's all this stuff that we just learned. And we did all the Greek and we did all that kind of stuff. But wisdom comes in and we apply it to our lives. And so this morning, as you've been called, and, and, and you understand what the Word says, you've been called to apply this to your life, that we may be doers of what we've heard today, not just hearers. Anybody can sit in here. We can go across the hall, and we can just hear things. But no, I want the Spirit. I have the Spirit. And I want it to come within my life, and I want to become a doer of what His Word says. Verse 25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not... Is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Looks is to peer into, and, and perfect is, is lacking nothing necessary to completeness. And the law, the perfect law of liberty, it was just a beautiful statement, and we'll see this again in the next chapter. Perfect law of liberty is, the law is the, is the moral instruction of given by Christ, especially the, the, about the precept of concerning love. And liberty is the freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires so that we may do by the free impulse of the soul that the will of God requires. Isn't that nice? So we sit there and it's just, it's just the, it's just the impulse of what God is wanting us to do. It's the free law of liberty. We, we have that. We have it. See, Christians, we, we've been set free. Okay, so so many times we want to sit there and go, oh no, I've got this bondage and I've got this demon coming on me and I've got this. No, 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 no. He who is set free is free indeed. If you're bonded to something, you've chosen to be bonded to something. Okay, you're, you're out there and I, no, I, I, I've got this desire and I just, I can't shake it. Well, you need to come before the Lord and you need to be able to set that thing gone because, because I, I believe that Jesus has, has set us free. Now, are there struggles that you might have in your life? Are there, sometimes there's desires that might pop up? Yes, but it's your choice whether to do that or to then take it to the cross and lay it there and have Him be the one that helps you with that. Freedom from sin, the bondage of the ceremonial law, the rigor and the moral uh, moral from all the wrath of God. We've been given that. Verse 26 and 27 comes in and says, And if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. James gives us an, an application here for our study, and it says, it's true religion is this. And one of the, the commentators broke it down like this. He said, the first thing is keep your tongue in check. The second thing is, second thing is to get dirty helping the poor and those in need. And the third thing is stay clean from the filth of the world. The tongue again, we'll, we'll cover this in chapter three. The tongue is, is, is keep your tongue in check is, is the lying. Are, are you a liar? Are, are, do you tell untruths frequently? Are you are you cursing? Are you using words that you really know that you shouldn't be using? And again, I'm not just talking about the cursing words, okay? I'm talking about cursing somebody because you've used the Christian appropriate words to curse that person instead, okay? And, and I'm not going to use those because I've just used them, deemed them as inappropriate. So I'm not going to give you the illustrations. You guys can pick this up yourself, okay? So, so uh, but again, you're you're cursing somebody whether you use that word or not. Are you do you slander people? You see, all these things that, that we just look at the tongue and we just allow it to come out. And you've, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and you just feel dirty afterwards? 
I mean, they've just slandered everybody. They've gossiped everybody. They've, they've used words and you're like, gosh, I need a bath now. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Why? Because that tongue is just, has just jumped out there and it is just, it just, it just killed a bunch of people. And so many times we as Christians, we kind of do the same thing too. Probably not, not knowing and not wanting to. I'm not saying that we're all meaning to do this and I'm not saying that you're bad people because you're doing it. I'm saying again, it's, it's just a sin. And just recognize that it is that and, like I'm trying to do too, not think of those certain things anymore as, as far as just, Lord, help me to, help me to deal with this. Help me to just grab my tongue back and, and have some control here. Help me to use my ears more and my tongue less. I mean, it, again, I'm not, again, it's not it's a, a terrible thing when you see that I have, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is me. Okay. But what are you going to do with it afterwards? Okay. I'll, okay. I have a loose tongue. Well, then how do I ring that thing back in so that I can have control over it? He doesn't say here, he not say that, you know, if anyone thinks he's religious, a pure and undefiled religion before God is, is to visit orphans and, and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted of the world. If you're not doing these, you're going to hell. He didn't say that. He's saying these are the things that we're striving to do. You've got a loose tongue, ring it back in. This ruins your religion. This ruins your, your impact upon the world because they see you and they see that there's no difference between you and the world. Well, I don't need Jesus. Why? Because I can just act like you and be the same. Well, no, there needs to be a difference between us. There has to be a light. There has to be a, 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 a sanctification process. Again, you should be better now than you were when you first got saved. There should be a noticeable difference within your life that we should be able to be able to see. The second thing, orphans and widows. Psalm 68, 5 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 146.9 says, The Lord watches over the strangers and He relieves the fatherless and the widow. I believe God has a, a great heart for orphans and widows. Why? Because He understands, especially back then, that there, at that time there was no, there, there was no guardian, there was no provider. There was, they were unprotected at that time. Remember, there was a, the, the way that the, 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 the society was set up at the time is the man worked and he made all the money and he did all that and he had all the power and all the control. So again, if, if, if that wife or those children lost their, their dad or their husband, well, now they were unprotected. They had nothing. They didn't have their home anymore. They didn't have any income coming inside. It's just the way that society was set that they, they needed, they needed protection. God said, I am that person. But it's not just me. It's it's my believers. It's 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 the Christians. I've called you now to go out and be that to those people. And again, these people at the beginning. We talked about James at the beginning. Is that at this time these Christians, these Jewish Christians, were dirt poor. They had nothing, and yet God is calling them to be those that go out and be the ones who help and provide and protect. Again, God doesn't call you to, to go and do these things because, oh, well, we're rich Americans and we can just pull it out of our pocket and just provide everything for everybody. No. He calls us to do it. Why? Because I don't care if you're rich or not. You're supposed to take care of what you can do and, and do it. That's what I've called you to do. And so when you see these people, whether they're orphans and widows or they're, they're people that are desperately in need, then I'm calling you to go out and I'm calling you to help those that are unprotected. I think, again, the government has grown, and this is not a political debate. The government has grown, because you'll see in a second, to the size that it is today where we take care of everybody's problems. Okay, Whether you're Republican or Democrat, it just depends on what side of the power that you want. So it's, it's just that. But the, but the problem is, the reason the government is so big, it's the church's fault. It's our fault. You realize that? I mean, again, if this church and that church down the street and the church down the street down there, and we said, hey, look, this is our, this is our little area, two miles area. 
whatever needs are done in this area, we're, we're taking care of it. Why? Because this is, this is God's territory. If we did that, would the government then have to come in and, okay, hey guys, storm went through, we're going to come in here and take care of, wow, everything is taken care of here. Well, yeah, you know, the churches, God's people came in and we took care of the problems that were here. Uh, so you guys don't need us? No, go take your FEMA somewhere else. This is, we got, we got GEMA. We got God's emergency management. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but get back on us. You see people that are, that are houses are falling apart and families are breaking up and, and then social services has to come in. Why is social services coming in? Okay, can't God's people come in and take care of that? Again, but see, that's dirty and that's hard. And I'm not, and I'm not applying another ministry upon a church that is already kind of tired as it is anyways. I mean, I look at that and go, dude, I can't, I can't do another thing right now. Okay. Well then, Kevin, it's not your choice or your need to do it. But can we as a church do something? Again, I'm not saying we have to do it tomorrow. Okay. Again, it's just, is, can this be on our, 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 our ideas? And then as, Somebody sees an opportunity, then let's, then let's step in and take care of that. I mean, that's, again, that's just, again, it's, I want to be a doer of the word. I don't, again, I don't want to sit here and study it, and it's, it's wonderful to study God's word. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it's awesome. You know, we go down to the Dominican Republic, which we're going to have a conversation about here in the next month or so. Again, um, it's just wonderful to go down there and do it full time. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you do your devotions, then you head out, and you work, and you sweat, and you're tired. You come back, you jump in the pool, you eat some dinner, and then we'll go back out sometimes, we'll do something else in the evening time, and you come back and, I mean, you're just, you're drop dead tired, I'm telling you. You're just, you're just exhausted. But it's awesome. I mean, you just, you feel so invigorated and so alive that you get to do it full time. I mean, you get like six or seven hours maybe of sleep a night. And, and you'd sleep more, well actually this time we had air conditioning, this had air conditioning this time. I mean, you guys would all go at this point, but, I mean, it wasn't like a couple of years ago where there was no AC and you're just sitting in your bed just sweating to death, you know. But, but God has called us to go and do this all the time, and He's asked us to to pour into these people's lives. The third thing He's called us is polluted. You know, John seventeen fourteen says, "Be in the world, but not of the world." And, and a lot of us like to be in the world, okay. But but again, the hard part of that is not to be of the world. And, and I'll tell you right now, if you have a weakness in certain areas in your life, if the pollution, excessive pollution thing is, is, in, is very strong in certain areas, then don't make that part of your world. You know, I, I've, I've told people before, I don't go to bars. And they're, why? Well, don't you have freedom? I have freedom. But you know what? If I start with one, I don't want to be at like five or six later, you know? I mean, that, that was my past. I mean, I'd have fun, you know, and just, hey, yeah, another one. Let's go. And I just don't want to take a chance that that would rise back up. Do I think it would? I don't think it would. I don't want to take a chance. This is not this not an area of ministry opportunity for Kevin. You know, so if you need something, hey, let's go pray at the bar. I'm like, no, dude, I'll meet you outside. But you know, I'm not praying in a bar. I can tell you that right now. Why? Because I don't want to be polluted. I don't want things to come in within my life, and and to allow those pollutions to be able to just muck me up again. Where again, there's just, there's just, again, there's no difference between me and the world. Well, then that's not what I've been called to do. I'm supposed to be in the world so that they can see that there's a difference in me as opposed to them. If I, if I'm in the world and my business is always doing, you know, wow, you guys are just blessed, man. Look at your business. You're growing. You have like 10 dealerships now and money. You're just printing money in the back room. You're just, you guys are going crazy. Oh man, the Lord's just blessing you because you just, well, 
well, then everybody would be a Christian, wouldn't they? A Christian? But in the last couple of years, things haven't been that way. We're not printing money, you know? Wish we could, you know? Wish we found a tree. Things have been hard. But so then what does that do? That gives the opportunity for the world to see, oh, let's see now. Let's see Job. Let's see now. Job, you take away everything that he has. Is he still going to serve you? And God looks at Satan and goes, yeah, I, I, got, my, I got my money on, on Job. I think he's fine. What does Job do? Man, he passes the test. And then he gets blessed double. That's not why we pass the test. It's that you can be blessed double. I just want to pass the test because I want the Lord, because the Lord is worthy of that. Again, Jesus, you know, a lot of times we talk about Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. And, and is it true? Yes, he was thinking about us. And yes, did he do it for us? Yes, all those things are true. But I'm going to tell you, why did Jesus really go to the cross? You want to know the reason why Jesus went to the cross? Because he was obedient to his father. You know, and if we were obedient to our Father more than worrying about what the blessing is that's going to come across this, man, the kingdom would be so much stronger than it is today. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.